So if you're not prepared to be wrong, you'll never come up with anything original. If you're not prepared to be wrong. And by the time they get to be adults, most kids have lost that capacity. Uh, they have become frightened of being wrong. And we run our companies this, by the way. We stigmatize mistakes. And we're now running national education systems where mistakes are the worst thing you can make. And the result is that we are educating people out of their creation. I'm Desire to Inspire podcast. I'm Jerome, I'm a youth mentor, entrepreneur, and I'm here to bring in my life, bring in my world, drop a lot of jewels and a lot of gems. If you take 20% of what I say and apply it, it definitely makes a change in your life. So I'm back with another episode of the podcast. And I'm glad to be back, actually. I feel like I've been so busy. But it's been good busy, you know, and um, I've done loads of so much different things, which I'm going to talk about now. And um, yeah, man, it's been a good journey. It's been a good start to the next summer, you know, like this summer, sorry, coming up. So I've been working on my sports and mentoring programs in West London, in Ealing, but we will expand the Hillenden, Hounslow, Hammersmith and Fulham and Brent. The sports that we focus on is boxing, basketball and football. So we work with the adolescents uh, 12 to 15 and term time only so that'll be after school clubs and saturdays so we're starting to develop a youth mentoring program where we will get mentors to work in schools from september this year to 2023 to june next year 2024 we've got a bit of funding we've been filling out a lot of bids and yeah we're really ready to push this project and really help the schools and help the young people and stuff so um, following that, there's going to be a series of long-term half-term clubs. Um, the first one this year will be the October one, so October 2023. So anyone want to remember these dates? will be from the 23rd of October to the 27th of October. So obviously with this funding, with this um, idea, we want to be able to now get some people to join our team. So anyone wants to join... Um, D2I as a mentor slash coach, you know, because we're working with sports. Um, there's free stage vetting and in-house training, safeguarding child protection, youth work, and challenging behavior for young people. You must be 18 to 25 years old with a DBS on the update service. So you can go onto youcheck.co.uk, that's youcheck.co.uk, and go and search for an enhanced DBS. And you can go ahead and send us the information. And yeah, once you go, we'll go through that stage, basically, then we can start moving forward. There are community and school-based mentors that work with children and young people. So you'll be working in the community, in youth centres, and you're working in schools, secondary slash primary. There's trial days. So there'll be four to six hours of trial days with travel expenses paid and, you know, lunch will be provided. Uh, that's your requirements sent ahead of time. Next dates for the recruitment. So basically we're in it. So from the 2nd of this month, August, to the 11th of September, 2023, um, the documentary, Behaviour Attitude Mindset, again, based on schooling, based on behaviour, based on all the stuff we talk about, all the stuff I'm going to talk about today, it's all in that doc, coming out hopefully next year, 2024, doing that with a really good collaborator called Jack, a uh, videographer. So we're working together, trying to get a few people to sit down with. Uh, the next thing is publishing my book. Um, uh, this has been the creative, creative, the greatest creative process I've had, and I found a nice workflow to actually get it finished. It'll be out this year, next few months, and yeah, man, looking forward to it, man. Like I really love conversations, and I'm a conversationalist. And the title of the book is Why Conversations Matter, 
and I will be really, do, you know, I feel it'll be like the first series of many. And this will be my first. So, where are we now? So, wow, well, today is, is a lot I'm going to talk about. And I'm going to speak about a few things that I spoke about previously already. But we're going to go more in depth of other certain things. Um, and it's more on the youth work side, the youth mentoring side. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to go through, you know, why 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 sports is important. And, you know, why, why am I engaging these kids through sport rather than through any other activity? So I don't want to go into a deep dive exactly, you know, how my sessions work and, you know, why I'm doing it because we ain't got that long, you know. So I want to just um, highlight a few things. Um, so basically, I use sports because it's, it's something that's active, something that keeps kids <clears throat> positive for the most part. And the main thing really is giving them something to focus on that they enjoy. That's the main thing, you know, try and get a kid to not focus in class is, is way different to not letting focus on computers. So we don't have attention deficit, you know, he probably just can't focus on something that he's forced to do or he's not interested in. You know, it's hard for us to do things that we don't not interested in for a long period of time. You know, we're, we're getting these kids to understand, you know, if you do something you enjoy, we can now turn it into a learning curve and learning lesson and go through the process together. Because um, as you know, any adults who work with young people, you learn, you know, as well as the young person. So there's there's five reasons why sports are a perfect, perfect platform for mentoring. And I will outline a few of the things that I feel are the most important. So number one is probably, you know, empowering youth to take healthy choices in their life and physical fitness. Like, you know, I think we wait until we're old age to be care about health. And I think that we can get kids to eat healthy, exercise, you know, and just the importance of health and just getting active is really, really key. Um, number two is engaging youth to take ownership of their learning. So we work together and we get kids to understand how things work and they can come back to us and give them give us the feedback number three is helping young people develop life skills so you could learn how to work towards a goal you could learn how to overcome challenges how to you know get better over time how to be a team player how not to be selfish you know all of these things are like life skills that you can learn through sports number four is helping young people develop core values this might go back into the same thing i just said but again, knowing about honesty, knowing about sportsmanship, respect, you know, confidence. You get a lot of confidence from sports. Um, responsibility. You're on a team. You're responsible for the winning, losing, the persevering, you know, pushing forward. You get all that through sports. Number five is strengthening interpersonal and your relationships with your peers. So if you're doing something, um, you're working hard towards something with somebody, your relationship becomes stronger. If you're working with somebody and you make money together, for instance, as an adult, then your relationship becomes stronger. So that's, you know, we're learning how to be relations through common interests, which is how all relationships are built. Um, and yeah, you, you can make them relationships through through sports. And there's, there's a great study uh, where they've got like um, two ex-gang members from, from opposing sides and they've um, put them together on a football pitch, for instance, and it was like, okay, cool, like play football together and forget that you're an enemy. And then the end of it, you know, because sometimes problems become problems and by the end of it, you don't know why it even started and you end up liking these people because you got to know them and got to know certain things about them. So the whole point is engaging the kids through sports that, you know, again, giving them a focus, giving them an outlet, giving them something that they can do that they enjoy, which is very important and they can learn so many different skills from it. And I've 
haven't got the greatest idea in the world. I actually heard somebody else has this idea. So even if I'm doing it in Ealing and I'm working with football, basketball and boxing, so we're using three separate sports with the same method, there's someone that does this in Brent, which I'm going to recommend now. So this is Brent's uh, Centre for Young People. And they basically use the same thing in football. It's called Sport for Thought. And yeah, they use sport. It's like a specialist model for a group of um, psychotherapy for adolescents. Um, and like I said, they use it to engage them and help them through that. So it's something that doesn't feel forced, something that feels like, you know, you're both enjoying and you're both doing. And yeah, man, it's really, really good. And I feel like, yeah, there's, there's many more to come. Yeah, we're going to open up to a few girls as well. And yeah, man, we're here, we're here. So that's the projects that we're going to be developing real, real soon. Just grab a seat, get a mic. Um, and yeah, we'll be going through, the, through them projects for hopefully till the rest of this year. And then back into 24. So I'm going to drop a few things that I feel might help some people that are dealing with troubled teens. Again, I'm not an expert. I'm learning. I'm learning every day, actually, to be fair. There's like four things. And this is like my, my childhood. This is stuff that I feel like I've seen. And this is something that my mum done to me as well. So mum's listening. Sorry, mum. So there's four things. So one thing is like a, a behavior contract. So, well, it's not really a contract. It's more like, you know, this is what I expect for you as a, as a child. This is what I expected me as a, as a parent. And, and then from a young age, kids are understanding their responsibilities. I remember when I didn't understand it. Like, my mum made me iron my own clothes, wash my own. I was like 15, 14. I couldn't even, I was like, what is this? Cook food. But because I had two little brothers and my mum was single mum, I didn't get it. Then I was just like, you're torturing me. You're making me wash my own clothes. And then my, my friends used to cuss me as well at home. Like, But she said, look, these are stuff you're going to need. I can't do your washing and your brothers and mine. It's going to be mad and work. So I had to do that. Problem solving, number two, sit down with your kids and understand why you're punishing them. What, you know, and I just because some kids don't understand, you know, why they get in trouble. Number three is allowing some freedom to make mistakes. I love this one. I want kids to make mistakes and then they can learn through their own mistakes rather than us telling them this is how it should be done. Um, again, we do it as adults just by default. And number four is modeling behavior, which is just self explanatory. Just model the behavior you want to see in young people. And I think that's my main thing. Like, I want to make sure that I act you know because you want to be a hypocrite in it like adults we have loads of stuff we don't you know want kids to do but sometimes we're doing it ourselves. you know we can't tell the kids to stop smoking we're smoking every day so if you do smoke smoke away from your kids as simple as that it's not even that deep you know so a lot of, i remember i went to the school one time it was an ap in Hillenden, and these kids were like eight seven i've never heard people swear like this at that age and i said stop swearing he goes i can do what i want because my kids my, my parents swear at me every day i couldn't even say anything i couldn't even say anything i'll be real i was like well, that's just what they expose you to. So, you know, one thing one of my sisters said to me actually as well was like, you have to know what and when to show your kids certain things. Like, certain, another one of my sisters would just expose them to it and then like, you know, but idle minds, innit? They're young, so they don't really even, can even comprehend right and wrong. Or They just see it as, oh, it looks glamorous. It looks fun. So I haven't got kids yet. So people say, why are you talking? I ain't got kids. But I work with kids long enough to know and I've been in a family of kids. So I kind of know um about kids so yeah that's 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 basically it man i don't want to keep going on and on and on uh there's a few things i'm going to mention today we're going to try and keep it short and concise but i'm going to let my guest introduce himself yes 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 thank you for having me mr jerome yes so my name is carl c pupe frsa i'm currently a neats coordinator author of two books um called the actionary teacher one and the actionary teacher two yes. thank you very much we try our very best um i'm a speaker and I do some other bits and bobs. So it's an honor to be here. Thank you for um, inviting me down here, man. Yeah, no worries, man. So basically, I'll be running a few things that I've been doing. Um, 
But one of the things you mentioned me on the phone was about trauma-informed staffing in school. So mm-hmm. could you explain your understanding of that and like what that means? And Absolutely. So when we talk about trauma-informed, being a trauma-informed practitioner, we're talking about teachers or educators who are basically what I call a mental health first aiders um, and understand, um, not to go too deep into psychology, but understand that some young people have experienced things. So if we talk about trauma, for example, trauma is the experience and a negative experience in which the, the body or the mind can't cope with. Okay. And w- it will need um, a, a specialist help. Um, so for example, to, to, to let's look at the physical body. If I stub my toe on the table, I've traumatized my toe, all right? But my toe will recover, you understand? I, I won't need to go A&E or anything like that. But if I got hit by a car or I fell off a building, 20 foot building and I've broken bones and ruptured um, internal organs, that's more extensive trauma. And I, I have to go and get surgery. And it's the same with the mind. So when we're dealing with young people, what we've got to understand is that young people might have gone through some, um, and they're called ACEs by the way. So they, they go through experiences when they're young, which they cannot cope with. They haven't got the mental or emotional tools to cope with. So these ACEs, which are known as adverse childhood experiences, will affect them. So sometimes their behavior um, reflects what they've been through. So they go into basically what we call fight or flight modes, um, which is where they become um, dysregulated, where they lose, um, where basically when when we talk about dysregulation, they they lose, uh, they, they get into a place where they're going into the more animalistic or more emotional side of their brain. They're not really thinking about their actions. So unfortunately, the way that schools are set up is that if a child, for example, throws a chair, right? In a typical school, what will happen is that child will get, you know, probably excluded or put in in, uh, internal inclusion or, you know, but no one would understand why is that behavior. So if we found out, for example, that young person, their grandma died earlier of COVID and they've been kicked out of their flat, then it changes the whole dynamic of the conversation. So as practitioners and educators, we have to be trauma informed and understand how people's traumas can affect their behavior. That's bang. I like that breakdown, man. That's real key. So basically like, all this stuff you said is looking at it in context. You're looking at all angles. Mm-hmm. And that's my whole ethos. I don't want to like toot my own horn, but I'm really mm-hmm. trying to like, I sat down the other day and I read through all the Department of Education's behaviour, poly- I rang the other day, mm-hmm. like how they, you know, well, how proofs work, how APs work, mm-hmm. like how managed move works and how it's changed during COVID. And, and they're taking these things to effect because of COVID and yeah. because of the mental health of kids. I was saying this, the, the good thing about schools today is that we care about children's mental health mm-hmm. and stuff more now than we did ever. Yeah. And some of the kids, some of the, uh, the safeguarding policies that like, really started to take effect in the like, early 2000s. So anyone that's like an adult now, there's a lot of stuff that just went under the radio. Yeah. There wasn't CCTV, there wasn't child line, there wasn't none of these things. Like we could actually make it a thing to say, okay, there's something called CAMS. Have you, heard, you must have heard of CAMS, isn't it? Whereas yeah. child and adolescence mental health services. So yeah. any child that, especially nowadays, because I think you know social media cell phones is really bad for the mental health of kids. Absolutely. I don't think they need it at all. But there's a, you know, we're going to have to bleep some of this out. Self-harm, anxiety, Panic attacks, um, you know, sometimes suicide at a young age. Imagine what to take your own life is is insane. There's a lot of drug use, yeah. and even though it's not drugs, a lot of kids are addicted to vapes. Vapes, I hate vapes. Mm. I hate vapes in general, but the kids because it's so sweet and they, you know, and it actually has more of a worse effect than actual cigarettes. And if you're vaping, apparently, if you're vaping, it makes you more accepted to be a smoker in the future. Absolutely. And you know anyway, I don't want to talk about the school, but there was a big vaping problem in the school in terms of doing it in the toilet, in terms of getting searched. And one kid, actually never forget, we searched these kids in the class and the teacher was like, oh, you need to stop this, you need to stop this. And then the student said, it's not that simple, sir. Yes, it is, you need to stop. And he's like, we're addicted. 
So I looked at the kid and I was like, that's actually an honest response. Like, these are addicted kids. So how do we get them off this thing that's everywhere? There's vape shops now. You know, yeah. there's, I remember, I don't know how these kids get it, but I remember standing up, when I used to smoke, standing outside the shop, waiting for someone to buy you a cigarette and then they'll buy you a cigarette and then you buy it off them, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, now, now kids, you know, it's tough now. Kids are going yeah. through a hard time. Even today, I saw somebody, actually one week today, it's going to be results day for yes. the GCSEs. I saw someone on a bus on the way here mm. opening their results. So I was going to ask you, like, what's the importance of, what do you think the importance of his test results today versus 30 years ago? You're asking a big question. I now, um, yeah. but I love it. Uh, really good questions. Um, you know what? At this time of recording, we're in a very critical time. And even the way that my, my brain is looking at behavior is, is, is different. And the reason why I say this is that um, it, at this time of recording, Obviously, we've got ChatGTP. AI is coming into into force, and it is it's scary, man. And I've been really looking into this stuff. So, for example, um, and I'm sure your your listeners are aware of ChatGTP, but ChatGTP is a form of AI. It's a text generator where you type in, you know, you ask it questions, and what it does is that it, it learns from. Um, it's got something called the data set. So the the scientists that open AI or Google or whoever's doing it, they give it sets of information. So if you said, for example, can you tell me about France? That it will have within it lots and lots of information about France, and it will aggregate the best information. But what makes it even more fr um, scary or amazing is that every time you ask it a question. And obviously not just me, but every time we're asking it questions, it's getting better and better. So it's learning. So every it's, it's getting smarter. And they're saying on a bigger level that, you know, in the next 10, 20 years, it could get to a point where it's smarter than humans. So bringing it down to our level now uh, and how it's changing everything is that I think that our society is the, the same way we study 1939, 1945, nine, you know, 1963, 1969 pivotal moments in human history i honestly believe that in a hundred years people are going to be studying where we are right now because you know open ai with the the chat gtp has changed the game i spoke to an english teacher the other day and they said you know kids there's no point doing homework anymore so if you set an essay question and say okay tell me about lady macbeth and, and analyze her character i'll go straight to gtp I'm not being funny. If I if I had this, bruv, it's game over for homework. <laughs> Man will never do homework yeah, yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Think about it. Mm. If if the tool is there and it's so yeah. simple to use, so the education system is going to have to really change the way it looks at things because the thing. Another thing is going on to a bigger thing is that you know back in the day. So you said a thirty years ago. Back in the day, what if you and I were back, you know taking our GCSEs thirty yeah. years ago? Yeah. We we get our GCSEs, we do our A levels, or go to college, we go to uni, and then there'll be a guarantee of a good job, right? And then you can go and buy a house, you can get married, you can have kids, and your life was pretty much stable until you you got your pension, right? And then you mm. could just retire. That's all gone. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to say, even before ChatGTP and AI really became mainstream, mm. it's all gone. The average person who is a millennial, who's our age, um, anybody born between 1982 to 1995, yep, yep. the average person will have to switch, have eight careers. Whereas back in the day, wow. if you look at 1963, if you look yeah. at like your grandparents' generation, they could work for one company for 30, 40 years and still get themselves a good pension. They have raised the retirement age. Um, so the retirement age for a male in the UK is 70 years of uh, age. Wow. But the, death, wow. the, the, the time of death or the mortality rate in the UK is 72. So wow. what does that mean? Mm. So basically in the UK, they expect us to work until we're 70 and then you get two years off and then you die. 
basically. That's, that's cra- why it went. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. So people are having to work for longer. People are not as secured. The housing market at this time of recording, you know, houses 30 years ago, a three bedroom house in London probably will set you back about 230K. Uh, nice yeah, three bedroom. Yeah. Now it's more 600, 700,000. So what, what I'm basically saying is that the education system that we currently got is not fit for purpose anymore. And now with AI, it's not fit for purpose. So if you've got, if you've got any young listeners here, so, you know, before it'd be like, oh, if you don't get good grades, you're not going to have a good future. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, that, yeah. Maybe I'm going to get cancelled for saying this and I'm a teacher. I would say that's not strictly true anymore. I'm mm. sorry to say that because having good grades is not a guarantee that you'll get a good job. And now that AI is coming into play, a lot of jobs are going to be automated anyway. The Bank of England said by 2030, 30% of all jobs will be automated by AI. So we've got to change the way the school system does things. And I mm. think the good thing, the good news, it sounds really bad, like bad news, but the good news is the young people already know this. The young people are already using the AI. The young people are already using the tools. So they are mm. a lot more savvy mm. than mm. a lot of the adults. So if you, for example, are building, you know, their kids building their own AI models. There's kids that have got their mm. Instagram pages and selling t-shirts. There's kids that have got YouTube channels. That is where we as a society are going. This thing of what is known as the 40-40 plan, 40 hours a week for 40 years is dead, is finished. And now that, you know, interest rates and cost of living is going up, the, the middle class or the people that, you know, traditionally would go to uni and get a good job, they're starting to struggle as well. Mm. So we've got to really, I would say we, we need to desperately reform the education system. That's my view. No, I love what you said. Great, man. Uh, literally, I feel exactly the same. And um, I spoke about this before. I spoke about this with somebody else as mm. well. And this is, for me, it's not even scary. It's exciting for me because mm. the kids are at the forefront of this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, loads of jobs going to go, but loads of jobs going to be created. Yeah. So they're going to be the first, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's exciting time. You know, it's just like a whole new revolution. It's the, fu- the fourth tier mm-hmm. of the industrial revolution. So That's school, true. education was made to churn out workers. You go to school to get mm-hmm. good grades, to get a good job, X, Y, and Z, everything you just said. Mm-hmm. So literally like i literally saw a kid today opening it up and i thought what is the importance of that now like mm. really yeah it's good if you like you know you really worked hard to get a c and you get a c like i get that mm. part of it mm. but in terms of what it does in terms of employability that mm. path like what does that mean mm. it's like you said it's not really schools have to change and that's why i love it i think that they're going to look at so many things not just mental health they're mm. going to look at how teachers are trained what mm. we're teaching kids mm. i think one of the things i'm going to speak about is like um teachers having pastoral skills in schools absolutely so a teacher teacher training actually you know what break down teacher training and then i would counteract that with some things that i feel will be needed pastorally for teachers in schools so and why it's important traditionally as well. traditionally speaking when we talk about teacher training now just a little caveat for your listeners i didn't i went through a very non-traditional route of but i know because um my wife's a teacher and i know several good friends of mine are teachers so i know uh, and i've done trainings before it is very much on the as you said the industrial model so teachers go in they learn about something called pedagogy curriculum which are basically how do kids learn how do we impart information onto them they learn all the theories about that but when it comes to behavior management and pastoral it's it's, it's surprisingly very little on the actual teacher training. So it's more about, okay, how do we know that they've taken in the information? How do we know that the curriculum is fit for purpose? But it's not, how does this child feel today? This child has lost their grandma. Because the thing is what I, I always say, I come from a pastoral background, but I've got all the teaching qualifications. So I've, I've read all the theories is, you know, you're, if a child is going through distress at home or they're going through an ACE or their mum is being beaten up or, you know, they, 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 they're homeless, they don't care about Macbeth. They don't care about trigonometry. They don't care about geography. They care about survival. And their brains are on survival. 
So it always has to be, for, I've always come from the place of, it always has to be pastoral first. You've all got to understand the child that you're dealing with. You've got to try and, 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 and again, there's, um, there's a, a great theory um, by a guy called Abraham Maslow and it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And really super quickly, Maslow in 1945, he devised this pyramid saying that humans have certain needs that must be satisfied. It's like a ladder of needs and you have to satisfy the lower level ones before you satisfy the upper level ones. I can't remember all of them, but I know at the lowest level is what is called physiological needs. Right. So it's, it's the um, are you hot or cold? Are you in a, an environment where you're safe? Right. And the highest level need is um, self-actualization. If the lower level needs are not satisfied. So, for example, we're in this lovely studio, me and Jerome. But imagine <laughs> we knew, OK, in the where we're recording, there's a million pounds. Right. And it's a suitcase full of a million pounds. and We can take it. But we also know there's a tiger roaming around this building, seven foot, 20 stone tiger, hungry. We're not thinking about Bugattis. We're not thinking about Ferraris. We're thinking this thing's going to eat us because our physiological need has not been met. And that is to be physically safe. All right. So then once we know the tiger's been dealt with or is locked up, then me and Jerome can say, yo, how are we going to split this meal? What Bugatti are we going to get? But we're yeah, not thinking yeah. about Bugatti first. Mm. And that's the same with, with a young person. If the young person is in an environment where... Um, they don't feel physically safe. And it could be even be in a school. So if they're in an environment where they feel the teacher does not like them, um, their needs are not being met. And you're talking to them about Macbeth. Sorry, English teachers. I keep on saying Macbeth. It's the thing that's <laughs> so on my mind. you're targeting English my, teachers. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> like, stop talking Ed, about yeah. us. <laughs> RS, you yeah, name it, yeah, physics. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, they're not going to be thinking about that. And I think what is... Um, uh, has happened in teaching because there wasn't no internet. It's, we're still doing the same thing. Bro, we're teaching, I say it all the time, we're teaching 21st century kids in 18th century classrooms. Yeah. If I went yeah. in a time machine right now, right? I had the TARDIS or a time machine and I went to Victorian England at the beginning of the modern education system. And I said, Montgomery, come with me, come to this classroom of the future. And I could take Montgomery and I put him in the classroom of the future. Now, apart from the whiteboard and apart from the screens, it's not much different than how yeah, edu talk. Education hasn't really changed since my my mum went to school. I'm not, not to discredit my mum, but yeah. yeah, that was time ago. Absolutely. We're still learning <laughs> yeah, the same yeah, things. Yeah, We're yeah. still Literally, doing the, the same The curriculum thing. has been the same for, I don't know exactly when. Donkey's but years. It's been the same for years. There's been ladies who teach as long as my life. And I worked <laughs> with her in a school and she's like, yeah, like teaching assistants wasn't even a thing. Like That's they brought teaching assistants in because schools weren't coping. Absolutely. With, with the load. The society's changed, but now with AI, as I keep on saying, and it's, I'm glad you said it's an exciting time as well. It's a scary time, but an exciting time. What is going, what we now have to measure or what we have to do is, because a lot of people say AI is going to take jobs. No, AI is not going to take jobs. It's people that know how to use AI that's mm. going to take jobs. Because mm. if you think about it, instead of hiring 20 graphic designers, I can just go on Canva right now and say to Canva, I want you to make me this, 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 mm. this, this. If you've got a whole um, um, mm. graphic design team, they're all gone. Mm -hmm. But I still have to tell Canva what to do, right? Mm. So we have to teach children how to be creative. Yeah, 100%. We have Definitely. to teach children critical thinking. We have to teach children how to relate to each other. That is going to become the most These are fundamental things. life skills, right? That's going to help you in adult life. Absolutely. Because that's, that's how I look at it. I look at it as like, education isn't for everybody, right? Mm. So if you want to teach education for like adult life skills, and part of that is, you know, having general knowledge about all these different things. That sounds great, mm -hmm. but, you know, what can get you a job is really what matters in the end of the day. What mm. stuff is going to help you in your adult life? And mm. one of the things I'm going to jump on is the Maslow thing is like the kid, the parents are struggling with the bottom needs. And that's the mm. problem. The problem is the Spoiling. parents are suffering, putting food in the fridge, 
and and making the rent and all of that and the kids are just an effect of that by default because they live in the house yeah so if, if an adult hasn't got their needs met so that's why my whole thing and again i don't want to talk about what i do but i want to take care of every part of the pyramid i want to take care of families young families who don't know how to look over baby mm. uh, small families not all families are big and supportive some families are broken and divided and, and there's, mm. there's people not talking to that one and you're just left alone there's a mm. lot of single mums out here man a single a parent in general shouldn't be single mm. raising a kid even as a That's couple, controversial now. Is, yeah, well, it is. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's tough, and mm. I think just because of the, the the needs and the, and the, and the finances and the time, like mm. it's difficult to be there for like your kid the way you want to because you're split with working and and just providing a living. And just by default, your kids will go out there and do what they got to do, and you're just trying to you know do the right thing by providing. But the time, like the time with the kid, might be the only thing you can't give them, and that's mm. not even your fault. So it's just these little things that are really making an effect on the kids today and I want to talk about it with you. Yeah. One of the things that I think you're passionate about and I know you can speak forever about this, try and mm. keep it concise, yeah. is the breakdown of school teacher workforce. So this will mm. go into the race, this will go into the genders and the, we're going to look at a little bit of the de- stakes and data. I don't want to go mm. too deep into it. Yeah. But the main fact is since 2021, we want to keep it updated, right? Mm. 80, 85.1 of all teachers in state-funded schools in England were white British. Out of those were... Um, Authenticity was was known, right? Mm-hmm. So by comparison, 70.8% of the working age population in England was white British at the time of the uh, 21 councillors. This is the, mm. the thing that adds it all up. You know, people filling out forms and for, for application forms. When you put black other, black red, that goes somewhere. Don't think mm. it's just an application form. Mm. 3.8 of teachers were from the white other uh, ethnic groups, the second highest percentage. 92.5% of head teachers were white British a problem for me as well mm. 75.7 of teachers were women and there were more women than male teachers in er- in every ethnic group what's your thoughts you're trying to get me cancelled Jerome. no uh. this is freedom of speech man we've we, we got our freedom of speech out here man okay we're gonna a, talk about it it's not real so let's yeah, just absolutely. talk about it bruv there's a couple of things so we're looking at those demographics um sadly that is what it is especially when we're looking at for example black head teachers 0.1 percent i believe there are half a million teachers um, in the country, in the, U- in the United Kingdom. Um, and I think it's less than, I think somebody said less than 300 or 400, 0.1, whatever 0.1% is, less than 300 of those are black head teachers. Now, some people might be listening because I can hear some people, but we're in England, you know, what's the problem with that? You know, okay, what I'm saying is it needs to be representative. We know, for example, in the United Kingdom, 10% of the United Kingdom are classified as um, ethnic minorities, or I prefer to say global majority. So what should happen at least is that the head teacher should reflect the rest of the population. So we need a thousand percent and a thousand percent increase. My maths is poor, so I'm probably going to get slated. I believe it's an a thousand percent increase in those head teachers. So if we've got 10% of the country as um, global majority people, we need 10% of the, the head teachers and the leadership to reflect that. The problem that we've got um, super quickly is that the, the if it's all about representation. So if you, so in the borough I work in, I, I work in Tower Hamlets, all right? It is 90, I believe it's one of the most ethnically diverse boroughs in the United Kingdom. I believe something like 85% are classified as global majority. But if you look at a lot of the schools, all the leadership and all the key players are white British. Now, the problem with that is if you do not have people, can't, number one, children can't be what they can't see. So if they don't see leaders that look like them and talk like them and come from their background, they won't believe they can do it. That's number one. Number two, 
you need everybody. You need um, representation at the table, especially when it comes to exclusions. We know the statistics. So, um, um, black, especially black Caribbean children are seven times more likely to be excluded um, from school. Um, Rome, uh, Roma gypsy, uh, gypsy uh, or traveler, the traveling com traveler community are seven times more likely. And I've sat on panels um, when we spoke to the local authority, when we were speaking with, you know, with the head teachers and they don't understand the behavior. So if you've got a child who's fighting and I'm not saying that, oh, we should, you know, pat them on the back and give them milk, we sanction. But yeah, if you do not yeah. understand the background where they're coming from, you start making decisions which will, will, will not take into account where they're coming from and actually make the situation worse. And we need different types of voices because if everybody looks like each other and everybody talks like each other, you are only getting one side of the story or one version can I, of Can the I story. jump in on this? Go for it. I think that this is engineered. People might think I'm crazy, right? Mm. It's been the same for years. Whites mm. have dominated schools for years. And we want to go to the hierarchies, man. I don't want no one to sh shoot me down. But there's always been from head teacher down, deputy head, always been white. Like even to say black head teacher in this day and age, and we've been in education for years, and we're st still a thing of like, we don't have enough representative. I recently became a governor in a school just because two, there wasn't a lot of young people in my age bracket, 20 to 30, or there wasn't people black in uh, as a governor, right? So... Again, classroom teachers is my 100%. These are people that are teaching you. Like, mm. I remember having a black math teacher. That helped my maths just a little bit, you know, mm. and it just made me have a little bit of identity. You might have, some people don't even have a consistent dad in their home. Mm -hmm. So if they have um, a black male, for instance, maths teacher every day teaching them maths, they're going to be connected to them in some way. I don't care what no one says. That's just mm. how it works, how our brain works. You know, we haven't got a, a dad, we go to the big brother automatically. So it's kind of the same thing. We don't, I don't think people understand fully how influential school is to your everyday life. Some school is more influential than your actual home life. If your home life isn't as great, some some teachers have a, a profound effect. And that's why I chose to work in schools because I know how important it is, especially working with teenagers and stuff like that. So I don't know what, what needs to change. Like what where what direction are we going in? Like we've established the problem. We could talk about it till kingdom come. Mm -hmm. What what are we doing? Is it just I think there's one thing, and maybe you can kind of write this. Men are meant to be the breadwinners. And if you look at the the, the income, the annual income of, of somebody, mm. you know, as they have to go to a higher level, meaning they might be, you can't just be a P teacher and, and, mm. and a caretaker, for instance, mm. right? Mm. Or a normal teacher. Mm. You're going to have to be a deputy or a head teacher. That's the salary bracket mm. to run a family as a, you know, traditionally income yeah. family, men bringing home the bacon type thing, yeah. right? And a lot of the mums might come in schools because that's the only way they can get a job that can provide that childcare mm -hmm. support because a lot of jobs can't because yeah. of whatever stipulation. So yeah. schooling is the best place to go. Mainly they go there, maybe do lunchtime supervision and then they'll go and be like a TA in, a, in, a, in their, their kids' class sometimes, right? Yeah. So I think it's that. I think that men don't apply for jobs because at some point a man's going to have to put a mortgage together or do something. Teachers is not paid well. Let's just be honest. So I think that's that, that's that part of it. So what, what do you think it is? There's so many... Honestly, the whole system needs to be reformed and there's so many problems. But I think very briefly, I think what that one misconception about teachers, they don't get paid very well. At the start of their salary, the average starting salary for a teacher is around £30,000 at this time of recording. Compared to the starting salary in most other jobs is about 21k. The problem is that, as, as you said, as you start to develop your career the increments are not as big for teachers. Whereas if you went into private, uh, into the private sector, they could be bigger. I mean, the, the, most head teachers get paid 
roughly about 100k slightly over but if you work i've got friends who earn that now as lawyers and they're not even like the partners in the firm so that's a problem to look at teachers pay and teachers pay have not is not kept up with inflation and the cost of living so that's one particular problem another particular problem that we've got um as i spoke about ai and technology and how we deal with that um you touched on in terms of masculinity and yes we do need to there's a there's two things we do need to be better at, um um hiring no, the you know the ironic thing is, out of those um, head teachers, most of them are male. I think I think seventy five percent of head teachers are male. So, the we what we've got to do, and statistically, their wives are teachers, by the way. Statistically, yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. <clears throat> what we've got to do is that we've got a real problem, and this is slightly bigger than ed, um, school, but we've got to take it into education as well. We've got a real problem in terms of dealing with masculinity and what masculinity looks like now. What we know is that, especially um, in schooling, um, boys tend to do not as well as girls. Of course, there's the um, controversy, controversy with Andrew Tate. But what, what's ended up happening... And sorry that, to cut you, is it the same with like gender-based schools? So in, in an all-girls school, all-boys school, do boys... Obviously, boys do better because there's only boys. But <laughs> is it like, do they perform better in that environment? That's a good question. The, for me, it was like, you know, hormones going all over the place, you know, girls everywhere. You're not really focused on masculine though because you've got Cindy. She looks nice. She's got a crush <laughs> So... Is it that? Because a lot of people say that. They're like, well, boys are a distraction. So you're going to go, literally, I've heard parents say, the boys are a distraction for you right now. Like, you're on the phone to boys rather than doing your homework. Go to all-girls school. But you know what? The <laughs> thing with that, I can't give you statistics. So I'm not going to lie to your listeners because I don't know the actual statistics. But <clears> I've got, I can say from lived experience, I know people that have gone to all-boys schools uh, or, or single-sex schools. And again, I'm only talking from lived experience of people I know and whatnot, whatever you. I think it becomes, from what I've seen, it becomes a misnomer. And what you tend to find, which is really strange, if you've got a single boys' school, there's usually a single girls' school nearby. I don't know why that, that is. <laughs> I know why. It's, it's just a bit mad. I always yeah, think yeah. about that. There's a single boys' school, and literally, there's always a single girls' school. But you know, nearby. they never used to mix schools. Like years old yeah, English maybe. schools yeah. used to just be gender based, just like how our prison is. They used to literally not trying to compare prison to school, but yeah. they used to literally have like all boys' schools as a thing. Absolutely. In primary and secondary. And then they changed the mix things. I don't know when or why. I need to do a little bit more research. But schools in this country years ago used to be gender based. It used to be gender based. I think for me, I think there's disadvantages as well. And talking to people, I wouldn't put my child in a, a single gender school because I think what ends up happening is that you lose. I, 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 and again, just to add it to the points that I've been saying, what I believe, especially with AI and what's coming with um, artificial intelligence, because now they've got chatbots. You know, if you you know you, you talk to Amazon, there's a problem with your order. You're not talking to a human. You're talking to a computer. Yeah. What is going to become premium going forward is the ability to talk to other human beings. I've been in schools and I've spoken to teachers who said because of coronavirus and obviously we're locked down, children have, have missed developmental markers. So children go through different stages of development, which I haven't got time to go into. But basically those children, especially the really young ones that were kept at home. So what should happen is a child, so the most important age for a child in terms of uh, their development or in terms of, of the way they hand, see the world is between zero and five. Okay, because those, those those set up the models for the rest of their life. So there's it's a really important or pivotal pivotal time. Children that have have been isolated, they are they 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 they're less mature. They're less confident. They don't know how to interact with other people, and this will pose problems in the future. So what is really important and what is going to become premium going forward is the ability to teach our young people. I, I this is my personal belief. Mm. I believe that teachers are going to stop being called teachers. They're going to be called coaches. Now let me let me nice, break that nice, down. Nice. 
Apple, at this time of recording, released something, their VR headset. I've forgotten the name of it now. But there was a VR headset. It cost £3,000. Now, everyone's laughing, saying it looks ugly. But what I said was, if you look at the first iPhone compared to, you know, that was released years and years ago compared to now, it's only going to get better. This is my theory. I, I'm not um, a futurist. But you see like Iron Man, where it was, it's called, they call it augmented reality. It's not virtual reality. So you're seeing everything. Like I'm seeing the studio, but things are going to start popping up. Okay. You know, an Iron Man and the AI is talking to him saying, Iron yeah. Man, your battery is 10%. I was watching um, something the other day. I was watching mm. Star Trek. Did you ever watch Star Trek? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, you know. They had iPads <clears> in there, bro. Glamorized, yeah, they glamorized Star Wars. Mm. It was massive. But mm. Star Trek was in my home. I remember the TV series and yeah, Star Trek was like seeing Big. Let, bro, there's so many things in there and people mm. say there was predict they weren't predicting nothing movies is like how we get ideas we might be sitting down with our wife and be a movie director or yeah. a creative and yeah. watching a movie and be like oh i can get that from the movie and then that might make the bro. iphone in 20 30 years but the idea they was had, seen in a I, film in the in the 60s or the 70s they had zoom in there bro you yeah. know when, when, yeah. when the ships used yeah, to talk to you hell that ship screen nothing nothing's in there so this is what i believe is going to happen and i, I think this is what's going to happen because the ai is going to be better at teaching your kids than you're going to be so i reckon what will eventually happen is that we're either going to have vr headsets or sunglasses and the AI, and you're going to have an <laughs> earpiece. Yeah. I know it sounds mad, but 20 years yeah, time, you'll, yeah. they'll be like, right, he predicted this. And they have an earpiece where mm. the AI will be like saying, hello, Jerome, um, you did Macbeth. Sorry, English teachers. That's all that's on my mind. You did Macbeth and you didn't finish that essay question. Do you need help with that, Jerome? And the child will be wow. like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So what will end up happening, it will become more individualized because the AI will go. be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, the AI yeah, will probably yeah, look yeah, at yeah. the glasses, look at your eye movement, yeah. calculate the speed you're reading stuff, and then say, um, Jerome or Carl, Notice that you, you're struggling with your reading. I'm mm, going to adjust the speed. Mm. So it will be doing this on the fly better than a human. There's, but this is the key. Does that mean all teachers are going to go? I don't believe that. No, kids no, will no, freak no. out. If you're just talking to a machine, I don't think kids will take that very well. Yeah. So what will happen is the human will be more pastoral. The human is going to be like talking about feelings. The human yeah, is going to be yeah. relating because the thing is that AI don't have, the AI doesn't have lived experience. It can go. simulate lived experience, but it yeah, can't say can't lived say, experience. Yeah. So that is what I predict is going to happen. So t the teaching aspect of the game, as the years go on, is going to be less out of the teacher's hand. Assessment, everything like that. Mm. You can make ChatGTP do assessments, bro. I've yeah, searched no, the YouTube yeah, video yeah, where it. you program yeah. it and say, I want you to assess it. So with a lot of kids now, they do the work on the computer, don't they? Through a Word document. So all you do is you, you make a portal, you get it in, you feed it to chat GTP mm. or whatever, and it does it all for you. Yeah. So the teachers will be more responsible for the emotional side. So that's why I believe all the, and I hate when they say soft skills. It really annoys me because it makes it sound rubbish. <laughs> rubbish, yeah, But yeah, they're yeah, going yeah, to be yeah. by- Soft skills are probably the most important skills. It's the most important opinion, skills. Anyway. Because what is going to happen, a lot of the heavy lifting of a lot of the jobs are going to go. So I think this is where I am with my thinking is that, the, the education needs to take a hard you know like a fast and furious where they do them them yeah, handbrake turns yeah, yeah. but because yeah, what yeah, yeah. my fear is is that the private schools and the, 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 the top schools already know this they've already so there's something called the international curriculum and i've got mates that work in there so this is what the kids the, the ib curriculum and they've already started to integrate chat gtp oh, wow. they're telling the kids you know use chat dtp to do this and they're marking them on that and so on and okay, so forth the so private school okay. kids will know how to do this it's the other kids, it's the kids at the bottom. The mainstream. And what's going to happen is, I'm scared that we're going to lose them because the kids are going to say, what is the point of me doing an essay mm -hmm. when I can do it on chat GTP? You know what? I don't mm -hmm. even need to go to school no more. 
That is the clear and present self-education. People can be learn how to how to, how to, how to teach themselves. I think Absolutely. even COVID was kind of a bearing of that. I don't even use the yeah. Oak Academy where they give a kid a series of videos. Yeah, they watch it, they get tested on it, and it's just all from the computer. Like the, the teacher doesn't even need to be involved. And they used to set work on they show my homework. They show my homework, actually. Yeah. yeah, so they had that as well. We can upload homework, and teachers can see it and stuff like that. So we've been trial and tested. I don't mm. know about any other industry, but in schools during mm. COVID, how we could actually work as well as teachers that were teaching from their house, mm. beaming kids in through Zoom, mm. you know, marking them. Kids get into tensions for them showing up to a <laughs> Zoom lesson. That's but, but, insane. But that's just the way that we had to use it at the time. But I can see it being something that we use permanently um, in the future. But it's good you mentioned a few of these things. But just to add on to your point there, but what we noticed though statistically was that less work was being done at home. And okay. the re there's several factors going into it, but it's harder for a child to remain engaged with a screen. And this is where teachers are vital because obviously a kid can turn off their screen or whatnot. And it will be mm. the same. If we just go into schools and say, here's a VR headset, it's going to teach you and you're not mm. going to talk to another human, you're going to lose the kids, especially at their stage of development as young, uh, young people, they need to talk to other children and other humans to, to, to guide them. Mm. So I think the education system has to reflect that. And I think it will be forced to reflect that very soon because now check what universities have said if they said um any kids that are sorry students that are caught using chat gtp for their dissertation or essays will be kicked out of uni but the joke of it is how are you going to know that i can program the chat G exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. how are you going to is it's you can't it's like stopping the car like you know you you know they used to have the the, the horses yeah. back in the day mans would be riding horses where yeah. the motorway was but now the car is there you can't say we're going to ban all cars. No one's allowed to use a car, only a horse. It's ridiculous. Nah, it and, work. and education system is going to be forced to change, man. Nah, nah, I love what you said. So basically you dropped a few things about um, ChatGBT, AI. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you listen to the episodes, but we spoke yeah, really yeah. deep about the fourth industrial revolution, yeah. AI and tech, what that means, even how um, technology has actually changed the way we teach. We went from chalkboards to whiteboards to just projection on a screen. You know, we went from... You you projecting know, in your eyeballs. Projecting on the eyeballs. <laughs> they went from, you know... <laughs> you know teaching a lesson on a computer now ict is such a big thing in school so you need a computer you need a system mm -hmm. that you can email teachers upload files whatever it is so mm -hmm. the main thing that i've read and it's a really good book it's called strive the purpose mm -hmm. of schools in the changing world and it speaks about all this stuff mm -hmm. you just said by harry vannon and another mm -hmm. thing you mentioned about the boys there's another book about really looking masculinity at schools it's called mm -hmm. boys don't try mm -hmm. um by matt pinkett really good book again looking at boys how we group boys and how they're going into their adult life and how they just, some of them forced into a prison system. Mm -hmm. I don't know about the statistics, but I think it's there's a lot more male prisons than there are female prisons. Yeah. And then that there's a lot of men in there. So yeah. I want to talk to you about the striking. I want to talk to you about, we spoke about the pay gap and not pay gap, but the pay and, you know, teachers. Mm -hmm. That's what they're striking for, more money. Yeah. I, I work in schools. I think teachers should get not get paid the same as a banker, yeah. but it's really important to educate. Someone had to educate the banker as a kid, right? Mm. So there's importance for teachers and people don't really respect teachers, I don't think, as much as sure. they should do. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading this now. Don't think this is right, but they had a 5% pay increase from 22 mm. to 23. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. It's absolutely that it? correct. That's correct. So it's not even kept up with inflation. And that's wow. why a lot of wow. teachers are striking because they're basically made a pay. It's, they've had a lot of the last 10 years, they've had an actual pay cut. Now, my only issue, again, I'm going to be slightly controversial here. <sighs> the problem is, okay, yes, 5% is all well and good, but with the cost of living and everything that's going on, it's still not enough. I think what we've got to do fundamentally is we've got to change the way that we, 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 we look at the nature of work and i know i keep on banging on about this but from what i'm reading 
very soon. So um, so Keir Starmer, um, who's the leader of the opposition, the Labour Party, said in the next 12 to 18 months, they are going to be staggering job losses from AI. And he was basically saying that we are on a precipice at the moment. Because if you look at a business, and, and this is what I'm saying, it's, it's so much deeper um, than we, the whole system has to change. Because think about it, if you're a businessman, Jerome, and you are a businessman, I know you are, but just say you're, you're, you run, I don't know, you, make a, you have a t-shirt factory and you, you hire a thousand people to make t-shirts, but then you discover there's a machine that will cost you, I don't know, 100K, but it will do the job of 100 staff. What does that mean? You're gonna get rid of, you buy 10 of these machines, you get rid of a thousand staff, right? What we've got to look at now is that we've got to look at the, the, the we've got to look at how the whole system is run because it will get to a point where it, it's such a it's I don't think people realize how deep what's happening is right now and I think it's starting to because I'm reading about this the AI in the classroom and so on and so forth so what we've got to look at is if everything is rising they've raised the, the mortgage rate um, for the sixth time over the last two years the Bank of England everything is rising food is rising teachers are saying five percent what if it raises again? Are we going to keep on striking for another 5%? Are we going to keep on doing yeah, this type of yeah, thing? Yeah. The, the, the key issue is that society has to change because it's unsustainable for everybody. Young people can't buy houses. You know, young people can't do the, the things that, you know, um, were the rites of passage. So you, what was the rite of passage? You get a good job, you buy a nice car, you, you, you go to, you know, you get a house. Young people can't do that. So this is why we see a lot of our young people feeling depressed because they feel like they can't achieve, they can't do certain things. So we've got to look at all these things. And now that's why the likes, not even so much the likes, that's why we see a crisis, especially in males, mm. in mental health yep. and, the, and people like Andrew Tate do rise because mm. men have, they don't feel like they've got a meaning. Back in the day, as you said, a man was the breadwinner or seen as the breadwinner. He made the money, he, he provided for the family. But if you take all those things away, what's left for the man? So this is where, it's we have to all look at everything from the education so, system and i think society's uh, yeah. uh, sorry to jump in uh, no, no, part of that is like some of the kids on the road is like you know their mum's a single mum, so mm. they got a house for free mm. and then they're on benefits mm. essentially from the government so they're like those government babies the government mm. is taking over the dad's role like yeah. the, the, the the government gives you a house yeah. the government gives you um, money to live mm -hmm. and you're essentially a stay-at-home mum on benefits and that's a lot of kids in that situation absolutely and it's, it's, it's difficult but I want to touch on a few things okay. before, before we kind of wrap up mm. um, we're going to speak about uh, problems with the school system we kind of mm. spoke a few yep. going to break down little fire questions and then quick fire answers yep. so basically I've um, watched a few things and I've obviously been in education for a while mm. and I've assessed these problems with the school system I want to know what your thoughts are so number sure. one industrial age values so it's like the school's a factory. It's like, yep. okay, every kid has to learn the same way. Every kid has to wear the same uniform. Mm -hmm. Every kid has to, that whole, what's the problem with that, do you think? Obsolete. It's obsolete now. It's obsolete. I'm sorry to say that. And again, I might be cancelled. But again, you know what? The thing is, um, there was a guy called Sir Ken Robinson. He's late now. He passed away. And one of the biggest TED Talks in the world was, do schools kill creativity? Yeah. And he yeah. broke it completely down. And this guy worked, he was an educated, the key education advisor under Tony Blair's government. So I'm in good company. So if he can say it, <laughs> I can say it. The school system was designed for a different age. Mm. It is obsolete now. I'm sorry to say that. that and again, we can't even guarantee because what do teachers say to, to kids? They say, if you get good grades, you get a good job. 
If you get a good job, you you know you can provide for your family. That's not true anymore. I'm yeah, sorry. I think one of the things that I've watched that as well many times. I still watch it like mm. just because I watched it when I was at uni because I realized mm. like, what is this education? Because mm. remember, education isn't just primary, secondary. It's yeah. literally further higher in adult too. Absolutely. You know, people doing their masters or whatever, mm. or some people go to uni at different ages. So mm. when I went to uni, I was looking at this thing of like school creativity, and one thing it did say to me was like, when your parents went to uni, when they had a degree, they had a job. Like you said, they had jobs for 20 years. It wasn't job hopping and career hopping. Mm. They were saying, okay, this is me. I'm a lawyer and I'm going to be a lawyer for 20, 30 years. Mm. That doesn't exist anymore. I can see millennials specifically mm. want the flexibility over security. Before, job security was everything, yeah. you know, and, and pensions. And now the, the landscape has changed. Millennials have changed it because they're questioning things. They're, the, they're called the why generation. We say, mm. why is that like that? And they, I want to do something different. Absolutely. And that's what I love about that degeneration, which is the one I'm in. So the, these disease, the Gen Zs, and mm. this is actually Gen C, by the way, um, generation COVID. Yeah. People that have babies 20 plus, 20, 20 mm. plus is actually generation C. Wow. So they're going to be in a whole different stratosphere. Yeah. But they're again, they're going to be pioneers in this thing. Mm. So yeah, he was saying that when he had a degree, he had a job. And I think that's true. Now too many people go to uni the cost of uni is ridiculous. So like yeah. going to uni, it doesn't guarantee you a job. You're going to just be paying that back for the rest. I'm still paying back my student loan. So it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's crazy. But number two mm. is lack of autonomy and control. So you're told what to do, where to go, go to this class, open your pages to book six. Mm -hmm. Do you expect a, a kid, a kid to mm -hmm. just pay attention for even, like, even lessons of 60 minutes? That's a lot for a teacher. Some teachers talk for 30 minutes straight, 20 minutes straight. Yeah, and, you, and the kids are just meant to be quiet and just sit there and listen. Yes, in an ideal world, it, they should, but, What's the problem with that, do you think, number two? I think the school system was designed, again, for risk of sounding redundant, because if we look at the industrial age, and if we look at the history, we moved from the agrarian age, which was the age of farming, to industrial age. And we, we the education, and it's not conspiratorial, the education system was developed to do that. What they had was you had these big industrialists like the Carnegies, um, trying to think of the other guys, the Rockefellers. There were big industrialists who said, we've got lots of factories, but there's no way we can tell who's good for what job. So we need to grade them. And it's literally, as you mm. said, and so Ken Robinson said this in his um, his famous talk, that we literally process them like factory, like like goods in a factory. So in the old school factory, I've got a bottle of water in front of me. The guy would check, yep, that's got a cap on faulty. You put it back or you throw it away. And that's how our education system is, right? That was the old way of work. And it worked for a very, very long time. And I, I don't want to poo-poo all over um, the, the industrial age because that's what's given us what we have now, all right? So it's it, as I always say, it's about nuance. But the way that the new system is, if you're trying to be safe, being trying to be safe is the the, the 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 least safe thing to do now. If you think that there was an unwritten contract in our grandparents' age where I work hard for this company, the company's going to look after me, mm. right? There's no contract like that. There's no loyalty. There's a lot more flexible working now. There's a lot more gig work. Absolutely. There's a lot more now, I don't know. I don't know if you saw there's something the other day about flexible. Like what employees now have to give flexible working hours and times and days. Absolutely, people are starting side hustles. People are thinking about my company doesn't really care about me. They can just employ someone tomorrow, which is the truth. Or get a machine to do it. Or get a and machine. I'll give you a statistic it. for free. Fifty percent of people that live in London, fifty percent, half the working population have a side hustle or second income wow. to cover all their bills. I'm all about number three. Go so inauthentic learning. So obviously. It's all that today we spoke about this league tables, exams, you know, GCSEs, and you know. So, what's the problem of just marking someone based on a test result, or the whole life is based on a test result? The problem with that is it's very restrictive. Um, and again, I keep on going back to it. Before, okay, you got an A, that means you've got some form of intelligence. But school does not 
School rec- um, um, measures. And A doesn't mean that you're intelligent. A means that you just knew how to instructions. pass tests. Because I remember in my last test. episode, my friend said he'd done really bad in school. Yeah. And literally knuckled down and he got like really high grades in year 11. Mm-hmm. So there was no spike of like greatness. He was like, mm-hmm. one year, year 11, I'm just going to know how to pass a test, which was do the mock test, mm-hmm. study every day towards the test. Absolutely. And then that's it. And they give you mock tests for a reason. So Absolutely. that's how he passed. School measures are very narrow. So there's a theorist called Howard Gardner and he, his, his, his theory was the multiple intelligence theory and he's saying that when we look at when we say somebody's clever it's a very narrow view of cleverness so we look at someone like an albert einstein or stephen hawking or an isaac newton but they've, they've got a particular type of intelligence i think it's mathematical or logical intelligence but if you look at somebody like muhammad ali now muhammad ali flunked out of high school he didn't get any the equivalent of gcse's or a, G, uh, a gpa was it a gpa I, I don't know the american equivalent right but could you say he's not a genius with his body, how he boxed? Or could you say Lionel Messi's not a genius? Yeah, yeah. They've got a different- They just do it in their own way. Absolutely. There's no one way to be a genius. Absolutely. So that's what Sir Ken Robinson was talking about, that everybody needs to find their particular gifting. And I think that's going to become even more important. Would you say that somebody like KSI is stupid? Right? Some people say, how does he make millions and millions of pounds? But clearly he's, he's charismatic, he's talented. So There's other f- things that are more important. I think we put intelligence on a higher mm. pedestal or being academic, mm-hmm. but being really, you know, creative and being really... Absolutely. Uh, for me anyway, my whole thing is like, finding something you're good at. Because that's what they say, you know, find something you want to do and you never work a day. Like, you know, that's mm-hmm. what they always say. But if that can't make material money to survive in this world, to buy resources to live, that you're, what you love doesn't really mean anything. Mm. So... Find something you want to do is now more apparent in this day and age because young kids are doing YouTube channels and doing little things mm-hmm. that they actually enjoy that they can turn to something later on down the line. They're using their natural thing, not just being a dancer or a singer or a footballer. Things that they actually enjoy and they turn it into something material. Sure. So the, the fourth thing, the problem is there's no room for passions. So mm-hmm. I remember like, there's many stories, you know, mm-hmm. if you wanted to play basketball, you want to be a footballer, if you want to be a dancer, nah, nah, you can't get a job in that. From your mm-hmm. from home. And they're mm-hmm. saying, just focus on maths and English, which you're not good at or boring. Mm-hmm. So force you go down the path of trying to be intelligent to get a job that might make enough money. So mm-hmm. there's always two roads to go down, mm-hmm. I believe. There's the way that makes money and you can survive, but you're miserable and you don't realise the 30, 20 years later, mm-hmm. many people like that. Mm-hmm. Or you can go ahead and do something that you enjoy, mm-hmm. you get fulfilment, yeah. and then I'm going to drop something ahead on another podcast, but it doesn't make enough money and you can just about get by, but you've got the life that you want to live. Mm-hmm. So there's two ways, or you can do a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, it's really stuck me because I'm chasing, well, I'm not chasing wealth, but I want to be wealthy. And he said that there's one guy who had loads of money, right? And there's one guy who basically didn't make, he made millions of what like he didn't enjoy, but he was good at. Mm-hmm. And there's another guy who wasn't making hardly anything, mm-hmm. but he was like, all right. And he goes, why do you make any more? You could do this, this mm-hmm. and that. He's yeah, like, he's more miserable because he doesn't know when enough is enough. Yeah, absolutely. That's a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people that are like, there's, it's never enough. There's never enough money that's going to say, I'm going to stop. There's never enough girls that you're going to say, if you're a gallus, you're going to stop. <laughs> there's never enough success because mm. when you get successful, you want to get more successful, more. When you see someone's a billionaire, you say, I want to be a trillionaire mm. and it becomes very, the world actually will be toxic mm. because you, there's no end to mm-hmm. it you can never stop so the basically that the moral of the story is the guy that basically didn't make enough money doing what he actually enjoyed mm-hmm. was actually more content spiritually than a guy who made more who could buy many things sure yeah, does that make sense it makes perfect sense i think just to add on to your point i think what the internet has done because people would say you know that's the classic ag- argument of don't follow your passion because it won't pay money the beautiful thing with the internet is that the internet has opened up lots and lots of markets, like niche markets. So, for example, back in the day before the internet, if I was interested in 
trading cards. I have to go and buy a magazine about trading football cards or whatnot. Now, now there's eBay. There's a market for that. And some of these trading cards, especially, I don't know about the UK, but I know in America, the baseball card thing. There's a guy that, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about trading baseball cards. And he had this vintage baseball card, which was worth something like $300,000, which is what? 250, a quarter of a million pound. Now, would you say that he's a loser? Because he's got a, tra he's got a trading card, which is worth a house mm. or a flat in the UK. Wow. And he's got one. Imagine he's got all these cards. Yeah, so I think yeah. what the internet's allowed is democratised um, access to markets. Yeah, so it allows yeah. people to find their particular direct, markets. Direct to consumer. Um, direct to consumer. So I think the school system, again, has got a very narrow um, particular view. And I don't know how they're going to tackle that but i think the kids this is what we we're talking about earlier about the kids are a lot more savvy because they can form communities if i'm interested in something if, literally through a hashtag if i'm interested in wooden tables from italy <laughs> i type wooden tables from italy and on insta that's the beauty i think now yeah. more than ever you can do what you love because of the internet you can even go get your, the grain of your parents and be like okay i'm sorry to swear mm. i'm jumping on the internet and i'm gonna make something of my life literally mm. there's no gatekeeper now if there's a market why not no you but if your market it, yeah. is silly like not yeah. silly but if it's too small like there's yeah. only 100 people that yeah, like yeah. death metal ballerina yeah, podcast yeah then you'll be like well, what's this but yeah, if there's yeah, a big yeah. enough market but that's where experiment will come into it you know experimentation will come into it where you try things and they're not working try something else mm -hmm. so before we wrap up i want to just do two more fire questions and we'll, and we'll mm -hmm. talk about a few things mm -hmm. um so again how we learn i think i spoke about this before there's four ways of learning calisthenic oral reading mm -hmm. auditory so i think that there's only one way of learning we don't like you said Go down to the, the point of, okay, we're going to teach kids a different way of learning. We're going to just do a one way. I mm. think that's going to work for everybody. So what, what's the, what do you think about that one? One size doesn't fit all. Um, you know what's so interesting? I was thinking about this. You know why kids like computer games? So my, 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 um, my nephew's got Zelda. There's a new Zelda game. Um, and you know what I found interesting? I never deeped it, but you go in, you start with nothing. But as you go on, you, you, you become more powerful, you get better weapons. But I think part of the reason why kids like computer games is they go and experiment, they fight a boss, they fail. But they think, oh, the boss does this, 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 this. And I think that's what we've got to do. Now it's very much, you do this, you get this grade. But we've got to put experimentation and creativity in. And that's why kids like computer games, because they get to experiment and do different things. So it's important that we, we understand that. And that's where the creativity and critical thinking comes into it. And then we spoke about this before, long lessons. like And class sizes too, that can't mm. go in mm. the same thing. So long lectures, like hour, I think an hour is way too no. long. Like no. my attention span is probably like half a minute. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, but they say if a kid's playing a game that like you just said, mm. there's no attention span. You it's just, not, you're just involved in what you're doing in your phone. Absolutely. But if you're in a class that you don't like, you'd make bad for talking about <laughs> Then you're going to zone out and be like, this shit. I want to mm. be home playing my game. Mm. So what do you think about the long lectures? It's, it's, it's been proved. Social media has absolutely destroyed our attention span. Um, I can't remember where I read this, but basically since the 90s, scientists have been, they do a, basically a test where they give a um, a long piece of text for people to read and they study how long is it before, it, it's gib not gibberish, but it's hard. How long is it before they give up? And basically it's plummeted. People don't read as much or take in as much information because we're always distracted. So, I think we've got to change the way we do things. And it's because of these phones, because we're constantly distracted. Our brains can't focus. The focus thing is going. And I wish I had an answer to that, but I think our attention's all gone. <laughs> That's it. So we've got to find innovative, innovative ways to do it, to keep people's attention. And it's through things like gamifying things. That's why we have all these apps with like gamify investing, gamify exercise, because I think that's what keeps our attention. You know, I love this, man. And we're going to wrap it up now. Yeah. I always leave people with a, with a lasting quote. Everything we mentioned was all great and I love it. And he's literally like me. If I look at him, it's like, I see myself, I hear myself. So 
Yeah, I think the main thing for me is like, you know, you shouldn't really give your kids the things that you never had. You want to teach them the things you never told. Mm. That's that's one oh. quote that I like because it's like, yeah, it's great to provide things better and, you know, your kid can have the latest game or whatever. Mm. But if you can teach your kid about money and your kid and your and your and your, your dad didn't teach you about money, then mm. that's a plus. And we're already, every generation is meant to get better. So I can yeah. guarantee you, you're teaching your daughter stuff that you never even was taught at yeah. all. How old your daughter? Um, five. But again, kids are developing at a rapid rate. A five-year-old mm. now to a five-year-old years ago, way different. Different story. So do you have anything to leave with them? Any quotes, Any anything? Last quote, simple. Um, and I heard this the other day, but I love it. We shouldn't be protecting our kids from the world, but preparing them for the world. And uh, I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that's what I'll leave it with. No, no, I love man. Thanks for coming down. I appreciate you. your time. Thank Even you. though it was a bit of a mess, but we got it done in the end. That's how, that's how things work, man, in the universe. So yeah, I want to do another part two. I feel like we didn't touch on the exclusions. We didn't touch on the school prison, but we covered a lot. Can I just say super quick that yeah, I've on. done many pod- dozens of podcasts. Easily, this is my top three favorites. Serious? Yeah. I want to know the other two. Who's using my spots, man? Using <laughs> 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 my spots because I want to kill them. No, not kill them, but you know, I'm just like yeah. that. I like to, you know, I'm passionate about this. Yeah. But anyway, Desire to Inspire podcast. It's Jerome. 